The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the BRL Breakfast. I'll tell you what a pleasure it is to see so many folks here in person. Um, I mean, Braille is a very tactile thing. And as, and as I was going to say in my introduction before Jane did her job on Sunday, Braille readers feel better. <clears throat> so all of you guys who aren't great Braille readers will be glad to give you some help. Um, in the meantime, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly how many folks are here, but I do know that, um, that we expected to have 35 or 36. I know our speaker is here, and I know that uh, the person who is going to be telling us a little bit about how folks can join BRL if they want to a little later is also with us, and she is here, um, she is here virtually as well. So our guest speaker and uh, Ms. Jane Corona are here virtually, but the, we, will, we will be hearing from both of them later. Um, I think that I'm going to ask Ralph Smitherman if he would wander about and let people, uh, let others know who they are and where they're from. And uh, if, if you want to say one sentence about Braille, that'd be fun too. So, Mr. Ralph? Yes. Good morning, everyone. We'll you can start. start. Tell us who you are and say something nice about Braille. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Ralph Smitherman. I'm the secretary of BRL, of course. And I created Games with Ralph, all in Braille. I'm going to start with you. Oh. Here's the microphone. Thank you. I'm Christy Crespin from Highland, California. And I don't know what I would do without having Braille in strategic times, especially as a licensed clinical social worker. I'm Ed Crespin. I don't know Braille, but I'm glad Christy knows it because she keeps all the notes for the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hello, this is Roger Peterson from California, Mountain View, California, and I'm here with my grandson. I'll let him say hello. That's excellent. Welcome. Morning. I'm uh, Robert Peterson, Roger's grandson. I'm here to, you know, help him get around and all that. Uh, I don't know Braille at all, you know. Uh, well, I know ACB, you know. I got that far. Okay. Got that far. And I'm from Salinas, California. Well, well, we'll be giving you a test next year. Roger should have taught you the whole of the Braille system by then. Hello, I'm Jean Marie Moore from Eugene, and I'm so grateful to have this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I've used Braille since, I don't know, first grade or something, and I've never given it up. I love it. I love Braille. Thank you. Breakfast is being served as we go around here, so we're good. I'm Julie Brannon, and I think I started sensitizing my fingers at four. I love Braille and avid Braille reader. Thank you. Okay. By the way, I taught Braille for 25 years. Okay. And Julie is the president of the Washington Council. And this is Nathan Brandon, her husband. And I am a very bad Braille reader. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and a very nice person, Nathan. This is Denise Colley, and I've been reading Braille since first grade. Yeah, I'm uh, Billy Guevara, uh, Houston, Texas. 
and uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Braille reader. I also work as a community researcher and freelance writer. Buenos dias. Good morning. <laughs> okay, my name is for short, Daya. Diana is my whole name, but I like to be called Daya, Pinky, or Trouble. I'm from Austin, Texas. And hmm, hey, um, and let me see. And I am a actor uh, from this organization called Tilt. Uh, and it's uh, self-employed. And I think that's about it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm David Dallin from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm a veteran, and they didn't teach Braille there. Well, we'll have to work on that in Oklahoma, David. I have to fix that one. Good morning, Mrs. Mike Tyndall, who kind of has a voice at the moment. I learned Braille beginning, beginning at the age of five. And just interesting, quickly, you know, as a, as a kindergartner, you learn like one letter at a time in print. That's how you start. So we got to the letter V, and my mainstream teacher wanted us to print letter Vs, and I refused to do it, so I got my hand whacked with a yardstick because I wanted to braille it, not print it. From Good a ver- morning. This is Katie Frederick from Columbus, Ohio. And I am very grateful for Braille and grateful to have my refreshable Braille display. My name is Michael Alvarez. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Um, I think something unusual is I can read Braille in English, Spanish, and French. We should be proud of the fact, I'll just say this, that Braille is the first ever open source software. <laughs> That's how we'll sell it from now on. Thank you. I am Judy Wilkinson, lifelong Braille user and president of library users. And what I want to say about Braille is BRL hosts with Lua tomorrow in room 215, the meeting with the narrator and the discussion of the one book, their plant eyes. So come join us tomorrow, starting at one. I'm Steve Mendelson of San Leandro, California, Judy's husband. And, uh, of course, I join my testimonial to all of yours regarding the uh, value, indeed, the indispensability of Braille in our lives. What I'm focused on as well and what I hope we can have a chance to talk about, as our name, Revival, suggests, what we can do as individuals and as a group to ensure that Braille will remain vital uh, and available and used in the generations to come. Thank you, Steve. Hello, I'm Desi Noller from Phoenix, Arizona, and to just help illustrate how much I love Braille, I have my uh, Polaris Mini with me, but I also, yesterday at the AT Guys booth, bought myself a VersaSlate. Yay. I got got one, too. We'll eventually talk about what a VersaSlate is, so. I'm Lucy Edmonds, and I'm from Michigan, and um, my mom taught me Braille when I was four, and she forgot it, and I remembered it, thank God, <laughs> and I, I have used Braille throughout my life, and it certainly did help me um, throughout my employment history and all the jobs I had, so I am an avid Braille reader, download lots of books from Bard, so love it, love it. Good job. I'm Frank Welty, and I... I'm with the Braille Revival League of California. I also work for the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco. So come by our booth and see our Braille stuff. Good job. And, and Frank is also 
uh, our affiliate board rep. So he represents our other Braille affiliates in different states on our, our, our BRL board. Frank, did you bring any radios with you? Not this year. No. Uh, Sorry, guys. This is Chris Huntsinger, and I'm from Pennsylvania. And I can say that Braille is my personal pencil, but I must admit that I have become um, an addict to my iPhone and making all kinds of notes on my phone just by dictating. But I just bought a Orbit writer, so maybe I won't dictate anymore. Okay. <laughs> nice. And Chris is uh, is one of the folks who is... Uh... I'm Albert Anderson from Chicago, Illinois. And I once had a job producing Braille at the Wisconsin School for the Visually Handicapped in Janesville. And I am also now president of the Illinois Braille Revival League. And I invite you all in 2023 to make it a point to come to the beautiful suburb of Schaumburg, where we'll be hosting your next national convention. Okay. So what I was going to say about Frank is that... Uh is that um he has he has really been very active on our board and we're very we're very pleased uh to have him uh, as our affiliate rep and to have uh, state affiliates i am sarah presley i'm from washington dc and i'm grateful for braille for lots of reasons but the most immediate one is i have no idea how i would do presentations without braille and refreshable braille display good morning my name is vita zavoli i'm from san leandro california and uh I love Braille. What can I say? I got to use it for everything. Did I miss anyone? It's a vision thing. I want to express my appreciation to Ralph for being prepared to run Mike. It's not easy. And of course, he is, uh, he is our famous and, uh, and wonderfully, uh, wonderfully uh, accoutred um, games with Ralph person. And in addition to that, in addition to that, he is also, of course, chair of ACB's Credentials Committee. I'm Peter Heidi, and Albert Anderson taught me how to use a slate <laughs> back in back in 1962. Wow! Okay. Peter is one of our more unusual BRL members in that uh, in that Peter is one of the few people I know who has gotten his site back twice and then lost it. Good morning, everybody. It's Sheila Young from Florida, and I use Braille. I'm not a great Braille reader, but I use Braille for self-communication, and I love it. And and she's actually better at Braille than she thinks she is and really does a wonderful job or did a wonderful job until she retired persuading little blind kids to use Braille. So, Sheila, we're very proud of what you do. I'm Artis Bazin from Burbank, California right now. And I've been reading Braille since I turned 20 and lost my sight. So I started reading Braille three months later. And I love my Braille. Kevin Berkery at the moment, Burbank, California. Hopefully Colorado. It's still in limbo. Wow. Okay. Here in tell, I've been reading Braille since I can remember at least five or before, and my little niece is sighted, but she likes to get hold of my Perkins and try to learn Braille, and I hand her a Braille card, and just from the little alphabet card that you get from the library or wherever you get them, she can look at the letter and find the Braille dot, and, and she's making me short little notes. 
And Karen is president of our Texas affiliate at the moment and also is a wonderful musician. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to hear her. She's usually a part of ACB's entertainment, but we're sorry that we didn't get a chance to hear Karen play the piano this year. Pam Sogi, I'm from Orlando, Florida. And when I was doing talking books, um, I was amazed at the Braille books. Excuse me, I'm Judy Dixon from Arlington, Virginia. And I'm a lifelong Braille reader and president of the International Council on English Braille. We're the ones who uh, bring you UEB. And just, just for another reminder, Judy is up to become our second vice president um, in our election. So please don't forget to, uh, to vote. You'll be, be being sent a ballot if you're a member of BRL. And uh, our voting days are from the 14th through the 16th of July. Hello, um, this is Deborah Steg from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've been reading Braille since I was six in the public school system. And I uh, think that Braille is invaluable in this hotel for the elevators and for vote now, because I have it on a card so I can call it from my phone. There you go. Yep. And, and, um, and her Braille, I think, helps her tremendously, or helped her tremendously. I don't know if she's retired yet, but you worked in a bank, did you not? Yep. But. But without Braille, I suspect that bank job wasn't happening. Good morning, David Trott, treasurer of the American Council of the Blind. And I was a proud Braille reader like Denise since first grade. Unfortunately, neuropathy has took over and I can no longer, well, I can read it. But like a T, it takes me about a half a minute to figure out what it is. So, you know, I've had to move on from that. But uh I'm all, I will always, I will die an advocate for Braille. And he still feels very well. (laughs) Rhonda Trott, and I am not a Braille user because when I was in school, they would not teach me Braille because they thought I saw too well. That is not the case today. And I am, and David says I'm too old to learn new tricks. (laughs) But I am a proud supporter of Braille and will support it as long as I am alive and kicking. And Rhonda has already served Braille. She's been a part of our, she's been a part of our board, has been active in helping us do the things that we need to do. So we appreciate even people who haven't had the joy of having the most appropriate form of communication for people who are blind that's out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, I forgot to mention something that's very important. Just as Braille provides those of us who are blind with independence, today we are celebrating the date in the United States when when we gained independence. And I think it's important for us to recognize that the two things have a good deal in common because both Braille readers and the United States had to find their feet and had to find an independent language in which we could communicate. It's pretty amazing that both our country and Braille readers made it. <laughs> what about Yeah, there you go. I, 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 think, I think that that sort of independence is something we may have to start a revolution to get. <laughs> 
ladies and gentlemen, it it's, gives me great pleasure now to introduce to you the treasurer of the Braille Revival League, Miss Jane Corona, to tell you a little bit about how any of you who are not members can join and how those who are listening in the Zoom audience can become a more regular part of what we do in the Braille Revival League. Miss Jane. I'm pleased to tell you about uh, how to join the Braille Revival League so that I can get your money. Treasurers do that, you know. Anyway, membership in the Braille Revival League is $10 per person per year. We run on a calendar year, but if you join now, you will get the spring-summer issue of the BRL memorandum as if you had joined on January 1st. But if you'd like to to wait and join after August 31st, if you can remember it that far in advance, you will be a member for not only the rest of this year, but all of next year too. So um, you may want to wait and join after August 31st, but I wouldn't want you to forget. Don't forget us. Membership in the Braille Revival League does give you uh, two issues of our award-winning BRL memorandum. And um, BRL also has every other month we have a Braille buzz call and anybody comes to that. So if you're in our BRL database, as 500 and some of you are, we will send you notifications about the BR, the Braille buzz calls every other month. And the next one is in August. The ways that you can join the Braille Revival League, the easiest and simplest way is to call me with credit card information. And I will give my contact information at the end. You could send um, a, a payment through PayPal. You can go to our website and fill out the membership application there, and which will take you to PayPal so that you can pay. You could send me a check if you trust the post office that much. Any way that you like to, to join us, we'll, we'll be happy to welcome you into the BRL family. The easiest way uh, to remember um, how to contact us is at treasurer at braillerevivalleague.org, B-R-A-I-L-L-E-R-E-V-I-V-A-L-L-E-A-G-U-E.org. Or you can call me at 301-598-2131. And just a quick thing about the voting that, that Paul mentioned, I have sent out braille ballots with voting instructions for brl's uh election which will be held um july 14th through the 16th i've sent out the braille and print ones to those of of the members who don't have email addresses on file with us i will be sending out the email ballot uh probably on july 7th or 8th or something i don't want to send it too early because it'll get buried in your inbox and you won't remember to vote. So, but voting is extremely important during our election. We're very proud that that BRL has voting for all of its members and we want all of you who are members of BRL to take advantage of the opportunity to vote in our election and for the five amendments to our constitution which um we have discussed at our our business meeting last week and which appear in the BRL memorandum, the spring summer issue. So I think that's it for me. And I wish I was there eating breakfast with y'all. What are you having? Like eggs and hash browns and stuff. Um, so I have to do the same thing here. Thanks yeah. a lot. We're having a very fancy 
two course breakfast. And what, sorry, what are Mr. you having? Isn't here with us as well. What are you having? A two course breakfast. We had fruit and uh, and uh, breakfast breads to start with. And okay. uh, everybody, me's gotten hot food, but. <laughs> oh, so you don't know what they're having. Okay, enjoy. Very good. Sorry, I, I, I lied. I do have hot food. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who were at the general session yesterday got an opportunity to hear uh, a first bite uh, from Mark Workman's uh, repertoire. Mark is from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and is the executive director of the World Blind Union. Uh, the World Blind Union is a, is a worldwide entity that, as Mark indicated yesterday, has been around since 1984 but it actually took the place of two other organizations uh, that were working to try to better things for blind folks all over the world. I have had the pleasure of attending a couple of general assemblies of the World Blind Union, um, and one in Egypt and one in Australia, and I truly enjoyed the opportunity of getting to know people who are blind from all over the world, but also uh, getting the opportunity to understand better how different things are in terms of uh, the lives blind people live in other parts of the world than they are in this country whose privilege we should celebrate. So rather than spend a lot of time reiterating Mark's biography, I am going to uh, introduce him directly, thank him so much for being here, expressing our sadness that he's not able to have breakfast with us. He is so near and yet so far. Mr. Mark Workman, welcome, sir. Thanks so much, Paul. I don't know if you'll remember this, but you and I did actually meet um, when you attended one of the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians uh, conferences up in Canada. I think it might have been in Toronto, uh, but it was a great pleasure to meet you then, and I'm really glad to be speaking with you today. And as you mentioned, um, I'm super disappointed. I would love to be down there in person. You might be able to hear a little scratchiness in my voice. I did test positive for COVID. I've been traveling a lot lately, and it felt like it was sort of inevitable, but the timing is just um, really terrible. Uh, But I'm glad that we were able to make a virtual conversation work. And so I'm very happy to to be here and look forward to um, answering questions or sharing um, any information I can about the World Blind Union and particularly our relationship, our involvement with promotion of Braille around the world. Now, Paul, I don't know if um, if there are specific questions that you had in mind. I don't have necessarily a, a specific presentation prepared. I did jot down some notes notes around Braille, but maybe maybe what I'll do is I will start with just sharing my own um, connection to Braille. Um, for those, I know the audio wasn't great yesterday, so not everyone may have heard and not everyone may have been able to attend. But it's what I did talk better here. Yes, <laughs> I'm yep. glad to hear that. Um, what I talked about yesterday in my presentation was a little bit about my journey in school and how I refused um, to use tools and techniques that were blindness specific because I felt a lot of shame and didn't want to be seen as different. And I know I'm sure others can identify. It's so great hearing the um, introductions this morning and how people were proudly using Braille, you know, in elementary school. I wish I was like that. 
uh, unfortunately, I just had a very um, negative attitude about those tools. And so I did learn Braille, um, not willingly, but I was required to. Um, my view on it was I could see and read it faster with my eyes than with my hands. So why are you making me use this technique? Obviously, I very much regret that, not taking it more seriously, not embracing it more. Um, but I did end up learning uh, the basics. And most of grade two um, by high school, I could read, not well, but I could read um, in grade two uh, Braille. It's not something that I've been, um, as a reader, using all the time. Although, of course, I use it for you know labeling things around the house and elevators and, and that sort of thing. But what I do use it for on a daily basis is actually writing in Braille. So on my iPhone, I use the Braille screen input um, multiple times a day. Basically, that's the only way I write on my phone now is through uh, Braille screen input. I find it the most efficient and effective way to, to write. Um, if you don't have access to a, a physical keyboard, then I, I use that on a, on a daily basis. I, my personal view is it is an incredibly effective and powerful tool. And I wish that I was a, a better Braille reader. I could, I would love to be able to use it for presentations, for example. Um, I have figured out some alternative techniques, particularly around um, using JAWS and breaking up sentences into smaller chunks in order to read them. Uh, but I would much rather be able to deliver a high quality presentation in Braille. I'm so, uh, I admire those who can do that. Um, but that's a little bit about sort of my connection. Use it on a daily basis as a writer, but I'm not not the best reader, unfortunately. I think um, what I might do is talk about a couple of the uh, a couple of the things that the World Blind Union does re related to Braille. So one um, one of the things that we're involved in is something called the World Braille Council, and this is one of our committees that is has the mandate of promoting Braille around the world and supporting uh, Braille use in, in various countries around the world. Now, um, I can't remember if I mentioned this in my general session presentation, but the way our committees work is they, they run up until our General Assembly, which Paul mentioned, um, he's had the opportunity to attend. Those General Assemblies happen every four years. And so committees are established once a new body is elected, and then they run for the four years. Because of our transition this time to a new, a new uh, CEO, we've, um, we're a little behind on establishing it. So the World Braille Council will be getting up and running um, within the next um, few weeks, I would say. And that committee will be tasked with identifying different actions and initiatives that they can take to support and promote Braille around the world. Um, so I don't I don't know yet what specific activities they're going to undertake, but I can talk about some of the initiatives that we've done in the recent past. One is around the recognition of World Braille Day. So this is a now an officially United Nations recognized um, day, January 4th, to celebrate and promote Braille, to recognize the value of Braille in, in the lives of, of blind people. And so we're really excited each year to celebrate this and to have such, um, you know, recognition behind it with the United Nations. And so that's a day that we try to use to um, raise as much awareness as we can, get as much attention in the media as we can 
to celebrate Braille. So that's an initiative that got going a few years ago, back in uh, late 2018. It was it was officially adopted by the United Nations as a as a recognized day. Another one that we're involved in is uh, Braille scholarships. So there was an organization at one time called the World Braille Federation, and that that organization was involved in providing scholarships, primarily around the promotion of Braille or the use of Braille within developing countries, so particularly focused on Africa. Um, and so we um, that organization ended up dissolving in the recent past. The World Braille Federation ended up transferring all of its assets and the responsibility of scholarships over to the World Blind Union. So we've we've got a series of scholarships that we provide again primarily to people in developing countries and and sometimes not for all of them but for a number of them one condition is that the person would be uh, a braille reader with the goal of promoting and encouraging more people to to become braille readers and to use braille and so those get handed out on uh, on an annual basis and to to individuals and it's a good way that we find to promote and encourage um, Braille. Uh, one other one I'm going to mention is the issue of low-cost refreshable Braille displays. I think we all um, recognize that uh, many Braille displays can be extremely expensive. Um, you know, if you're going to pay up to $6,000 um, without government assistance, or even if you do receive government assistance, if you're in a developing country, that those types of technology, those types of Braille displays can be financially out of reach. And so the World Blind Union was involved in, and supported the development of low-cost refreshable Braille displays like the Orbit, which I heard mentioned uh, previously. And that has really helped um, increase the access to Braille around the world. Um, we see many more people being able to afford uh, these low-cost Braille displays and to ensure that Braille can be a part of of their life, so we're, we we continue to support uh, that work and to um, try to promote these low-cost braille displays for people who can use them around the world. So those are a few of the things that WBU has been involved in in the recent past. Um, like I say, I'm happy to to answer any questions or to talk more generally about the World Blind Union. I know my uh, presentation couldn't be heard by everyone, um, so I'll pause now, Paul, and to turn things back over to you. Thank you very much. Let me ask you one question and then we'll and then we'll start with the question from the Zoom room. So you guys in the Zoom room, if you'd like to raise your hand, our host will recognize you. Um, so my question is, uh, what's been the impact so far, if if much, of the Marrakesh Treaty in terms of underdeveloped countries, do you think? Yeah, it's. That's a good good question. The the impact would definitely have been significant. And um, for countries, let's say you're in a country where um, where English is a common language. Let's say Kenya, for example, where English is is a very common commonly spoken language. If you're able to, uh, if your country ratifies and properly implements, and I'll come back to that in a second, if your country ratifies and properly implements the treaty, you gain really quick access to large libraries around the world. So the, the Canadian Library, British Library, uh, American, I believe, would also be available. And this can make a huge difference in your ability to access um, written materials. 
Now, I mentioned the idea of implementing um, and not just ratifying. And what we're seeing is that there are some countries that have adopted it. They've passed the legislation to ratify the treaty, but they haven't necessarily changed their laws to be in compliance with the treaty. And in some cases, once you ratify it, it supersedes your laws, um, so you don't need to do that work. But in other in other cases, um, you can't take full advantage of the treaty without passing some additional laws around copyright and, and those types of issues. So it's really important, and we're working with, with countries now to not only ensure that it's ratified, but that the laws in the country are also uh, amended so that you can take full advantage of uh, of the Marrakesh Treaty and all the benefits associated with it. So we're yeah we're definitely seeing lots of really great access improvements in access through through the Marrakesh Treaty, but there is uh, added work to go. I would say. Thank you, sir. So I am going to recognize our host in the Zoom room to see if we have any raised hands. We have one at the moment. Eva, if you'd like to go ahead. Hi. No, uh, I just had a question during the break. I mean, before everyone was speaking about the versus slate, um, but that's all. I can ask that later. Sorry. We will talk. I promised we would, and we'll talk at the end about the versus slate. The Braille Revival actually um, made the braces versus slate last year and this year um, our contribution to um, the ACB auction. And, and in fact, the versus slate winner last year is with us today, and that's <laughs> that's uh, Lucy Edmonds. So, and I think, and I think she actually paid considerably more than it costs. <laughs> yeah, and I know that, and I know that the person who bought it this year, who many of you will probably know, is is Bob Acosta, and uh, and Mr. Acosta, I think, paid about um, almost four times what it costs. So. <laughs> But it's all for the good of ACB. All right. Um, let's see. Is there a question in the room that we can bring a mic to? Uh, the microphone was off. Uh, Mr. Workman, we certainly hope you feel better. Many of us were listening, unfortunately, in our rooms yesterday and couldn't hear most of your speech. And I'm really sorry, regret that and hope you feel better. My question is the perennial one about paper Braille. We all brokenheartedly throw away tons of it and wish there were a way we could get it to folks who might use it and not just stuff that they couldn't read. We have a new program in this country, which is going to be wonderful, called Braille on Demand. And I fear there's going to be more Braille that look might be looking for a home. Do you have any thoughts on what we can do about that? It's a really good question. And um I think I also want to just say that I'm still relatively new in this role. And so part of um, why I'm interested in being here is to hear from you and to listen to some of the different um, challenges. So this is one that I don't think has come up in my relatively short time here. Although in Canada, we are also introducing Braille on demand and it is a concern for me as well as someone, you know, who, um, recognizes the concerns around climate change and waste and things like that. So um, I'll be, this is one that I, I'd be interested in hearing any additional thoughts or if anyone else in the room has comments, but it's one that I'm, I'm going to write down and give some thought to and, and watch out to see if there are ways of, of um, recycling it. And, you know, uh, 
as needed or as can make a difference. Now, of course, rail can be fairly expensive and resource intensive to ship. And so there is a, a question of whether the actual shipping or um, uh, moving it from one location to another ends up costing more in terms of resources that are used for that sort of thing. So I, it's an interesting topic and uh, one that I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more research into. Madam Zumhost, and I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. Tori. Yep. Tori, thank you so much. Um, and can you recognize your your hand? Yep. Maria, go ahead. Thank you. And hello again, uh, Mark. Uh, Mark was uh, kind enough to also present yesterday at our session for the International Relations Committee, for which I am chair. Um, and before before I ask my question, I just have to give a quick plug because of uh, the, the mention of paper braille that people don't know what to do with. Um, we are working with a couple of organizations uh, in currently Ethiopia and Nigeria. And on our committee uh, webpage, there's a list of items that they are requesting donations of, and one of them is things like Braille Forum and other specialized Braille publications. So if you are looking, this is a very micro uh, item, but if you are looking to get rid of some of them, uh, please reach out to me because I'd be happy to provide you with uh, potentially some U.S. addresses that they could ship to, and uh, they will make sure that those reach students in those countries. We have had success with that before, so we can assure you that it will reach its uh, intended destination. Uh, so thank you for indulging that small plug. Um, acp.org slash committees and go to international relations committee you'll see my contact information there too um in terms of my question um so you know of course we, we all here and i personally do i have a braille display we can attest to the importance of of braille literacy and uh we see you know, literacy, uh, the, the rate, of course, has been unfortunately declining here and in, uh, you know, more Western European and such, uh, countries for, for years and years. Um, but I'm very interested, you know, from a global standpoint, and I know some of this has to do with, um, access barriers for other technology and, uh, certainly the, the expense mark that you mentioned leading to, uh, therefore more lower, uh, tech, if you will, more more uh, proliferation of paper uh, and uh, use of Braille slates and Braille writers and things. But, um, you know, Braille, it does still have this importance in, in, uh, in, in other countries. And there seems to be, you know, some innovation happening there. Like I'm thinking in terms of India, the Annie device for um, learning, for, for teaching Braille, excuse me, um, to children, which I know uh, American Printing House is doing some rebranding of here, which is great. So um, I'm wondering if there's any, you know, anything you can think of that you have seen um, through World Braille Council, some of this cross collaboration. Um, are there some, you know, lessons or, you know, tips or techniques or some kind of methods that we could apply here in U.S. that have been used, you know, internationally to keep the, the Braille literacy uh, as, as an important and, you know, right. continually strong medium. Yeah, we got it. Miss Mar Ms. Maria, write, send, send me an email and also write an article for the Braille Memorandum about your uh, exchange. Oh, sure. Mr. Mark. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, and um, I am very impressed at your enthusiasm and energy so early in the morning, I, have, I must say. Um, really great to hear your That's voice Maria. again, Maria. Um, um, it's like I mentioned that in some ways, um, I could probably learn more than, than I could um, teach 
in this particular setting. So you mentioned a couple of things that I have not yet come across. So the Adi um, in India and the idea that um, Ethiopia and Nigeria might be interested. So really helpful for me to hear that. Here's one thought that I've heard recently that I think is fairly controversial and and others in the room may have um, their own reaction to it, but it's around trying to make Braille more widely used. And the thought that I've heard some people pushing or promoting is to have um, grade one become the default for teaching Braille. Um, And I suppose my understanding, which is limited, is that grade two wouldn't be ruled out altogether, uh, but but that grade one would become sort of the main um, way of, of teaching and using Braille. Um, with the idea here being that it's it's easier to learn, takes uh, less time, and um, would be would make it more likely that people will will be able to use it in their lives. So this is one idea that my I believe the World Braille Council is going to explore it. As I mentioned, it's it's not uh, universally uh, agreed to, uh, but it's one idea that I've heard that um, that may be helpful at increasing the, the use of, of Braille, especially within um, developing uh, countries as well. It's, it, it would probably accurate, be accurate to say that if you were down here, there would be folks throwing food at you. Yes. Um, <laughs> that, that is not a popular sentiment in the room, I think. I think it's a, and I think it's got to do with how people think you should learn Braille. But interestingly enough, there are some darn good Canadian readers and in Canada, typically grade one is taught first. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't know the final answer in terms of what the best way of teaching Braille is. Um, I, I also think that, that in Mark's defense, there are an awful lot of older folks in this country who never get beyond grade one Braille and who couldn't live without it. Hmm. So, yeah, and like I say, definitely controversial and interested if anyone um, has a reaction to it, because this is not an idea that I had really contemplated. I've just heard it coming up um, from some from some folks. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate the, uh, the cool. response. Mr. Ralph, question in the room. This is Christy, and I'm wondering how can we get involved with World Line Union? Tell us some information about how to get involved. Thank you. Yeah, this actually came up at the international relations meeting that Maria mentioned yesterday evening. And the question was, how can I as an individual get involved? And so I'll just step back really quickly and explain that the way we operate is at our general assemblies, we have delegates from member organizations or from countries around the world. And those delegates are chosen by the organizations. So I think, Paul, when you attended, you probably, I'm guessing, would have been a delegate that would have been chosen by the ACB to represent the That's the correct. In, in the North American Caribbean yes. region. Yep. And so that that's the way that delegates get involved. Um, and they, they go and they pass resolutions and they elect the table officers. But the question of how can I, as an individual, like what role can I play? I'll admit, we don't have a great answer to that, um, but there there are things, I think there are some ways that people can get involved as individuals. So one would just be around social media, interacting, providing um, 
responding or sharing um, it, our content on social media. That's one way. It's not a great way, but that is one way. Another would be we often will do surveys to try to collect data and information so that we're trying, you know, that we're making decisions that are based on on real evidence. And so that's another way, again, not necessarily the, the most interesting or fun way, but it definitely helps us if individuals, when we do um, put out surveys, and I could see, for example, one on, on Braille uh, coming out in, in, the, in the future to try to understand, um, to have better data on, on Braille. So that's, that's another way. The last thing I mentioned yesterday is that we are doing this governance review and looking at our structure. And I think there's an opportunity there to explore different ways that individuals can be involved. We don't know what that's going to look like. We are a me our members are organizations rather than individuals, and so that in and of itself creates a bit of um, a buffer between the individual and the World Blind Union. But um, but there may be some opportunities there. Um, and then one final note: in my presentation, I did talk about communications and how this is an area that I think we could do a lot better in. So um, we've committed to investing some resources to improving our communications. So you're going to see in the near future um, a much better newsletter, for example. I think our social media is going to improve. And, um, and so that will be one way to at least stay informed about what's happening. Um, but also, I think we can create some opportunities for people to to reach out to us. So I totally recognize not a great answer, uh, but it's definitely one that's been raised previously at the ACB convention and one that I'm going to um, put some put some thought into and raise when we do the governance review to see if we can create opportunities that members can, uh, sorry, individuals can engage with us and not just through their organization. The United States was quite involved in uh, an employment survey uh, that the World Blind Union did, and in fact, a, a couple that they did, uh, where Dr. Karen Wolf worked uh, directly with the World Blind Union. Uh, of course, Dr. Karen Wolf is from is from Texas, and um, and this, that survey is extremely interesting. And so, the other thing that I would add to what Mark said is one of the things you can do is to become familiar with some of the material that's out there from the World Blind Union by going to wbu.org. Is there a question from the Zoom room? And then we'll, we'll probably take this question and one more, and then we're going to have to wind it down. We have no hands here. No hands. Do we have anybody here who has a final question for Mark? Karen, I tell Thank has you. One. Good. Go ahead. I'd like to speak to the issue of uncontracted Braille that Mark has brought up. I think this is a really important one. And in my view, what we need most of all is more Braille. And that's more people to read it, more people to use it, and more Braille to read. And just because someone may not choose to invest the time and effort that it takes to learn contracted Braille, I think we should embrace any level of Braille participation. Un there is nothing unrespectable about reading uncontracted Braille. Uncontracted Braille is a wonderful and viable way and I totally support uncontracted Braille being taught, uncontracted Braille being read, and uncontracted Braille being produced. And Mark, um, that was Judy Dixon, who is uh, chair of the International Council on English Braille. So, okay. Um, 
let's take one more question. I think Karen had one, if nobody else did. Hello, this is Roger Peterson. Hey, Roger. And I just want to uh, respond to Christy, to Christy in a way and say that when you are involved in ACB, you are involved in WBU. Just as when you're involved in the California Council of the Blind, you're involved in ACB. And in all those organizations, there, there's, a le- you know, there's a fluctuating level of interest in international affairs. And- yep. Thank you, Roger. Mark, any final words before we, before we regretfully have to say goodbye? Yes, actually, I did. Um, something someone um, said made me recall that we have the World Braille Council, which, again, is our main committee on the use of Braille. It's, um, it's being established shortly, but we did choose the chair, and the chair is going to be someone who's very well known to the ACB membership, and that's Kim Charlson. So oh, this, nice. the committee for the next few years uh, until our next General Assembly will have, I would say, a, a very close connection to ACB. And I'm sure that um, Kim uh, would be willing to listen to suggestions on different activities and will be um, very much involving the ACB membership. So that, that I think, is a really good uh, and a good. BRL has a new them. Braille buzz call and, uh, and a speaker for next year. Absolutely. That's perfect. Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us. And I do remember meeting you in Toronto. Um, I, I am sort of sad that I don't, that, that I don't go up there as often anymore. I, 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 I think there's, there's a huge amount of potential for, uh, for organizing and doing well in Canada. And, and, and uh, I know that I speak for the whole membership of the Braille Revival League. If you can find something that would help the World Blind Union. I'm virtually certain that our organization would be overjoyed to help you. Oh, I really appreciate that offer, and we'll definitely um, be in touch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and Mark, thank you very much for being here. You've been a great audience. I think we had a great program. And for the first time, this convention, most of us really got to hear from Mark Workman. So, Mark, thank you so much, and, and goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.